Welcome to Noclip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rothermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Child of Light, a game that was developed by Ubisoft Montreal, published by Ubisoft, and released in 2014 on Windows, PS3, PS4, Wii U, Xbox 360, Xbox One, PS Vita, Switch, and Google Stadia. But first, if you can give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, so, Child of Light is... I'm going to start a little bit differently. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to go start normally afterward. Uh, the last main podcast episode in Mystery May, uh, <laughs> which is the is, is, is and has been received much better than most of our other misguided <laughs> stupid months. Uh, so just as a status report, a post-mortem, if mm-hmm. you will, I thought this ended up being a pretty good idea. So we'll probably continue doing it later. Uh, unless we just really get overwhelmed by a <laughs> desire to do mysterious games next year or something. Yeah. Uh, so that's all I needed to say. Just April is stupid. That was a <laughs> dumb thing that we did. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the, the dice have decided that we play this now, uh, 11, no, I can't do math, nine-year-old game, uh, <laughs> which is an RPG, um, and it's an RPG that I think the biggest selling point on is the, uh, Ubi art or UB art engine, uh, that it is made with. Yeah, yeah, it's called the UbiArt framework. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a a artist friendly engine that Ubisoft developed in the early twenty teens, and they were supposed to make it like licensable, and they never did, which makes me very sad because I would actually like pay a couple hundred dollars to mess around with it because uh-huh. <laughs> um, it looked really cool. Um, I found this game. Because I got a Wii U uh, in, I think, Christmas 2013. And after I beat Wind Waker HD in Rayman Legends, I was like, I kind of am in the mood for an RPG. So I just searched that on the eShop and this came up. And it was coming out in a week when I searched for it. So (laughs) I then got it uh, when it came out. Um, and yeah, and they had like a bunch of promotional videos like for it on the eShop. And, uh, I looked into it on YouTube because I think the, the idea of the UBART framework is really cool. It allows them to like make like a, like a layer in Photoshop, basically just be able to just drag it into the engine right? and like use it. And it just like seamlessly kind of like build levels like based around the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm surprised, I, I guess they made a handful of games with it. They made the Rayman reboot games with it. This and Valiant Hearts, yeah. I think, are the only game, and like maybe some iPhone games. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm real sad that they just kind of canned it to focus uh-huh. on like Assassin's Creed or whatever. Right. Uh, whatever the fuck Ubisoft does these days. But then I'm also kind of like surprised no one else has tried to do a similar thing, at least that I'm aware of. Right. Because it seemed like such a cool idea. Yeah, the fact that they made it specifically to be used and, and to be marketed, something that people could actually use, uh, even though that never came to be, mm-hmm. uh, is pretty rare. I think most of the time when you hear about new engines... 
they are those like ones that are are meant for a commercial purpose that isn't entirely in-house uh and a lot of engines that get made are made in-house nobody talks about them and then they die and are replaced by something else later Mm -hmm. Uh, so it is a big shame that this particular tool was not made available for like widespread public use because it does seem like they were able to do some stuff with it that i can imagine not being able to do with other editors like the way that this game's world is structured uh it has a lot of uh sort of like it has the parallax backgrounds uh a bunch of different foreground elements that are that serve as like your barriers for movement uh your main character has three different forms that she can show up in uh, a ton of different side characters little pickups and stuff so it's obvious that there is a a lot of unique assets being made and it's probably easier to incorporate those when you can just put them directly in mm-hmm. uh, so yeah it is it is a shame yeah yeah it allows for like a lot more detail and complexity when you just paint the background yeah and are able to easily like just kind of drag it in yep and see how it looks and resize not, it yeah and not have to like do the old school like pre-rendered background thing where you have to like awkwardly draw the pathing over the art. <laughs> yep. You know, make sure everything lines up correctly. Uh, yeah. I don't know anything else about the engine, so I can't really say too much more on that, but do you want to talk about aesthetics more generally? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that's going to jump out to anybody, I think, uh, upon playing this game. Uh, yeah, it, it has this watercolor art style. It feels very like storybook. Uh, and it, it has this kind of, it gives it this like rich tone, I think. And mm-hmm. that's probably like the most appealing thing about it to me is just, yeah, the aesthetics and like the vibe of it. Um, yeah, and the music adds to that a lot. Like the art and the music do a lot of heavy lifting, I think, in this game. Um, yeah, and just a, a weird personal anecdote. Uh, when I was in college, in the art department, like, the seniors would always do, like, a senior project, like, mm-hmm. a kind of like a thesis or whatever. And somebody made an interactive piece where it was, like, kind of looking similar to this game. Like, it was, like, its own kind of painterly style, but, like, similarly, like, densely detailed. Like, cool, colorful background, and you controlled a crow, and they had it hooked up so you could use a Genesis controller to control the crow. And you could just, like, fly the crow around, like, a background. Yeah. But it was, like, really cool. And, like, it was kind of like this feeling of, like, playing an illustration. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense. If that sounds different from a regular video game to you <laughs> at all. But um, it, it's just, like, a weird thing. Like, that, it was around the same time mm-hmm. uh, that this game came out that I experienced that. Um but yeah, so it gives off this feeling of like a this real kind of handcrafted art uh, quality to it. Yeah, and, and not only that, but I, I like you call out specifically that it, it looks watercolory because we see a lot of different art styles in games and uh, 90% of all art styles that are present in games or really in most media that isn't just traditional visual art are simulated in some way and obviously this is a simulated watercolor look (laughs) but that makes it interesting because you don't see watercolors emulated all that often they have a very specific sort of vibe that they go for 
Um, and like, there's a little, there's like, how do you justify going for a watercolor look when you have access to anything? Mm -hmm. Uh, watercolor is a very like sort of simple, lighter sort of, uh, feel to it. And I think that one of the best things that this game does is that consolidation of its tone and theme into its aesthetics and music and the writing and shit the whole thing being written in rhyme is is not an accident like (laughs) (laughs) so the whole thing looks and feels very whimsical and childlike um child of like Like, yeah uh uh in a way that is that is extremely good and and did draw me in from the very beginning like it, it was good to see this kind of a thing moving around and also made me immediately think because because I am not in tune with having uh like fairy tales and stuff most of the time. So I immediately went to uh Pan's Labyrinth, which his game is I mean, not dissimilar from <laughs> Pan's Labyrinth is very fairy tale yeah. adjacent. But I went I went there <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, fairy tales, you know, like that Guillermo del Toro movie <laughs> with the guy with the eyeballs in his hands. <laughs> it's uh, just like that. It's just like that. It has elements of that, if I'm being honest. But uh, mm-hmm. we can t- we can talk about the story and stuff in a bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was really good. I, I really liked that, um, the look of it. And a lot of that stuff, I feel like, probably not possible without the engine they developed for it. So... Just a big, just a big fan of that stuff. Yeah, I think many years ago now, you described um, Inside, mm. Playdead's Inside, as a uh, desktop wallpaper generator, uh. <laughs> and I feel like this game has is has a similar quality. If you just took a screenshot at any random time while playing, it would give you a cool desktop background. Yeah, it does have that that look to it. <laughs> it has better backgrounds. Well, maybe not better. Different. Different. More. Uh, Painterly. Yeah, intensive. Backgrounds. Yeah, like, they're more like intentional, mm-hmm. like artistic, appealing looking backgrounds. And just as a shout out, and I'm going to segue a bit into uh, my first experiences with the game. Please do. Uh, the the backgrounds in a very cool way often feature places that you intend to go uh most specifically the castle uh that the game ends on mm-hmm. uh shows up in most like this not all that yeah the sky temple areas in the background of the windmill planes or whatever they're called yeah <laughs> uh and that kind of thing always like sort of looking ahead because they do call it out i think at some point they're like you need to go to the highest of the high Mm -hmm. and they're like look in the sky which of course rhymes um and and you look in the sky and you can see the temple there and it's like oh cool um so in it so from that as an introduction to the game plus the actual introduction of the game which uh, begins with you running around and jumping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really thought that this was going to be a Metroidvania. Yep. Yeah, you asked me. You had started the game <laughs> and not gotten the ability to fly yet. Mm-hmm. And you asked me, hey, is this a Metroidvania? And I was like, well, kind of. <laughs> but like, you get an ability pretty early on that makes it like not. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like the world's shortest Metroidvania arc. Yeah, I, I didn't know if like you would agree with that uh, sentiment or like what your thoughts would be on it. Because like, 
yeah, like you start out like you have you're going to the right. Uh, it's pretty standard. Like you're pushing boxes, you're jumping, you're platforming, you're moving along, exploring. Yeah, there's places you can't get to yet. You know, classic Metroidvania stuff. You get to this like monastery area and you fight a boss or whatever and mm-hmm. then you get the ability to fly like you can just freely fly around the map and it's only really like gated with wind right. or like sometimes there's just like invisible roofs <laughs> to the <laughs> areas but they're usually pretty good about uh making it feel organic yeah but, i like, never felt like i was being invisible walled off yeah so. yeah yeah so yeah it, it really does make it feel not like a metroidvania to me yeah like it shifts the focus of exploration to something different i think yeah i i think i would call it not a metroidvania yeah um, me neither but i think it's mostly because it looks like at the very beginning though you have like because like you said you go around you can't fly there are places you can't get to and then you meet Igniculus, the Firefly, who is actually an elemental, I guess, uh, according to Revelations near the end of the game. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you are able to then get into additional places because he can flip switches and illuminate dark areas. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Got like a new ability or whatever. Now I can go back and explore that dark cave. And then I was like, well, anyway, now you can fly. Yeah. <laughs> uh- <laughs> And it very quickly was just like, oh, okay. Like, my lack of exposure to this game had me go on a roller coaster ride of (laughs) what I thought this game was going to be. If I'm being honest, when I put it on the list, I didn't even know it was an RPG. I was like, this is like that game (laughs) with that girl. Yeah. And that was like the extent of my knowledge of it. And I remembered the Ubi art thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, those are the things I know about it. So I didn't even know what genre it was. Yeah. Uh, This game, if the game's intent, I don't think it was, was to gaslight someone into thinking they were playing a Metroidvania only to pull the wool out from over their eyes. (laughs) out from over their eyes (laughs) fuck that one up a little bit uh then it would be a masterwork in doing that but i think most people probably know what the game is going in yeah i feel like it's it feels a little bit intentional to me like to set it up like it's going to be one thing to then subvert it yeah i don't know like exactly what the goal would be (laughs) in doing that but it, it feels like an intentional thing to me Yeah, and I mean, if it was, um, because there are some things that this game does that specifically try to surprise the player, so who knows? Uh, But that was my experience anyway. So if it was, they were successful on me in making me not know what I was playing for a minute. Yeah, it's hard for me to dial my mind back Mm -hmm. to 2014, um, because I played games much more casually back then. Um, But yeah, I remember it stood out to me. Like, I hadn't really played many Metroidvanias, like... This might have been the first game I ever played that really had Metroidvania, like, world design. Uh, probably Guacamelee would be the first one I actually played. Yeah, Guacamelee um, is, a, like is a more be- specifically a Metroidvania, yeah. yeah. So, like, I but I do remember it standing out to me that, like, you go, you know, like, 25 minutes to a half hour playing the game and it's like one thing it's like oh now you can just fly around the map (laughs) feeling like a really like weird like a switch was flipped like a hard uh reset (laughs) on like what just happened it completely changes the way that you explore and it makes the it makes the design of everything 
feel completely different than it does at the beginning. And because it is literally the rest of the game that you can do this, uh, you're <laughs> like the, the way that the levels are designed are sort of more like a top down game almost where things have tunnels uh, and like there are occasionally multiple paths through places, uh, but they're all because you're seen from the side. It's like you, you just sort of have to go around and they introduce these things into the game that are like obstacles for the overworld traversal. So this game isn't, I would say that this game is an RPG yeah. and that is the genre of the game, but it has all of these other elements to it that don't quite make it a genre of blend or a fusion of any kind, but it has like these weird platforming elements and the Metroidvania beginning and stuff. And it all, to me anyway, feels like it clashes a little bit. Um, the, the, particularly the overworld traversal stuff. Like, I understand the idea of them wanting to make it not boring. <laughs> <laughs> to just fly from point of interest to point of interest. Uh, and so you have to do these, like, navigational challenges. But th there, it, there's not really a lot of teeth to them like you'll bump into a wall and take some damage but you can just kind of heal that damage up by hovering a thing over your character uh it i don't know it, it never felt like the overworld stuff was that worthwhile outside of the exploration and like finding things yeah i i agree i think uh it is kind of hard to explain <laughs> uh yeah it, it feels like you have the overworld traversal because you're like on an adventure, you know, it's an RPG. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like the things you do in the overworld aren't really like that fleshed out. Like there's just like the constant like grabbing of the wishes and like the light orbs to like refill your health and stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like just looking for like secret nooks and crannies uh, in the world. Um but yeah, it, it, in my head, it feels kind of like they wanted to make an RPG. They had the UBR engine and the idea for the art, and they were like, well, we don't want to do like a top-down like Final Fantasy or like, you know, Super Nintendo kind of uh, approach. So mm -hmm. we like they, they decided on like a side-scrolling thing, so they were like, well... Want it to be like a seamless world, so we'll go with like the Metroidvania map. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like feels like they just kind of had to make certain things work yeah. to accomplish like the goals of like the aesthetics of the game, which seemed like they were like the selling point of it. Right. Yeah, and, and I don't want to like jump super deep into other elements of the game because we do have to make this a podcast that people listen to. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, but I do feel like the level design. There are a lot of ways that I could segue into this, all of which I feel like are slightly too mean. Eh, just, it's it's okay. Because <laughs> we said, like, this is like a very artist-friendly system that they're using to develop and all that. And I'm like, well, uh, evidently, it wasn't a very <laughs> game designer-friendly <laughs> engine, because the all the level design is, is poopy, pee-pee <laughs> bad. Uh, and I thought it was terrible. Um... <laughs> it has interesting choices that it makes that I think are worthwhile to look at and examine, but I found that the endless flying around and doing nothing uh, <laughs> was really grating on me. 
uh, a lot of the sort of moving around and stopping to talk to people. And I, I've never felt more like I was stumbling through a game than this one, <laughs> where I just would like get lost somewhere and be like i've been through this windmill seven times how do i keep looping back to it and then like three minutes later i'm in a town full of rats and i'm like how did this happen how did i get here it was very unclear to me uh and i i just mm, not a big fan of the of the actual design of the areas yeah yeah it feels like the in between areas a lot feel a little bit too repetitive Mm -hmm. like that windmill area is a good one to call out because it's like you fly through like a somewhat more open area then there's like a big mountainous tower thing that you have to go through and then like an opener area Uh. (laughs) then a mountainous tower thing that you have to you know it's like the same thing like four times in a row yeah so it's easy to like kind of if you go back through the area which you probably will while playing at least once yeah uh yeah, it can be like be like, wait, which part am I at? <laughs> um, so yeah, like, but like the parts, yeah, like it, it's clear like the parts that stand out are like the thing that the game I think needed more of, like the rat town, right, on the back of the giant stands out as really cool. Uh, the dwarf town is I think pretty memorable with the well. Um, you know, like the if you know, like they had like areas and dungeons and things that were as memorable as town of rats on the back of a giant you know like that's the thing i feel like this game wants to like aspire to but isn't quite able to do probably because of budget yeah that was the thing that kind of jumped out at me is like I, i when i was thinking about the things in the game that i didn't like a lot of them felt like the things that you add to your game when you have four hours of content and want to sell it as a full-length game. Uh, And I don't think they did in their defense. I think this was a a more of a budget title, like probably like a $30 game or whatever it was when it came out. And I'm sure I got it for like 10. I think it was like 40 bucks. Yeah. So it wasn't like a full-priced game, but people have a brain worm that tells them that if a game isn't X hours long, it's not worth purchasing. Uh, And so I I did feel like, because there is... A good amount of quality content, especially if you like their spin on the RPG system, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, that was the thing I was going to say. Yeah, like if you don't like turn-based combat, <laughs> I could see how, yeah, this game could just feel like flying in a direction. <laughs> yeah, you're like <laughs> avoiding the enemies yeah. and stuff. And we'll come back to, to, to that stuff because there is a lot to say about mm-hmm. it. Because I think like the idea is that the meat and potatoes for the player is going to be the combat. Right. And then, but there's just, and that, when that's exactly what I mean. Like that's the stuff that is the game essentially. Yeah. And then there's the in-between bits. Yeah. Which I just thought were too long. And if they were going to be in there, they should have had more time spent on them. Yeah. Which probably couldn't be done because of deadlines or budget or et cetera, et cetera. All these other things that, that could have possibly gone wrong. Uh, So yeah, that's kind of my thesis on it. On like the, the overall design of the game is it felt like they were doing too much. And the stuff that spilled over into the unnecessary parts were all very tedious and <laughs> not super great. Mm-hmm. Like it, the the flying around like felt like 
it should feel freeing, right? Like you you get the ability to fly and you're yeah. like, wow. It does sometimes. Yeah. It has its moments for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But like you're but then I'm like, oh, this is the whole that whole first area where you're like jumping and pushing boxes. Mm-hmm. You fly right the fuck over it. Don't ever have to look at that again. Platforming is no longer part of this game. Um Instead, you're playing Operation by trying to get your character <laughs> through tightly packed little tunnels full of spikes. Yeah. Uh, which you don't need to do. You can literally just get hit and then boost through uh, and then hold Igniculus over you to heal you and wait. Uh, which is the thing that I talked about on the Blasphemous episode where mm. optimal play should not be unfun to do right uh and this kind of falls into that but it's only unfun in the parts that are, <laughs> that are clearly not the whole reason you're there right so i i am of, of two minds on it so uh yeah i like rat town though rat town was pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> rat time <laughs> Uh, do you want to talk about the characters? Yeah, I think we should. Okay, yeah, like that's an another thing I I think is a big appeal of this game is like the cast of characters. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like they're all most of mostly pretty memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, Rubella poor, is poor Jen. <laughs> yeah, poor Jen being the last <laughs> character you get. Yeah. Um. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I think, like, yeah, like, Rubella's a standout to me and Finn, but I do usually have, like, use the first three characters you get way too heavily syndrome when it comes to RPGs. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I, I find myself liking them all. Like, yeah, the ones that you get later in the game, like Tristis and Jen, I find myself using a lot less. But, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. Truth. I yeah. I think I I agree. I think that most of the characters are really well realized, uh, especially for this kind of a game. Like it has this story tale element. Story tale. Story tale. <laughs> this fairy tale. It almost. I almost didn't even catch it. I yeah. No. I I barely did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, this fairy tale storybook sort of like vibe to it. So every character has to have like essentially like a thing they're missing that they can go find yeah on the, go on the quest for yeah we have like a classic wizards of oz situation here because finn is is the cowardly lion uh well you actually didn't get this because apparently they released a definitive version of the game that i didn't know i had but i did and there's a character who is a golem who you can assemble and take with you like the scarecrow yeah and he's well he's like the tin man yeah tin man missing his heart right yeah yep that's the one okay he's always like <laughs> he gives well one he is a golem he's a constructed person uh and he's he's always talking about how he's looking for his missing piece and mm. something on the inside uh and everyone keep telling him like dude you're great <laughs> don't worry about it uh rubella and tristis are both sort of like after something that is yeah they're sad clowns they're sad clowns <laughs> <laughs> and they're after something that's sort of out of their grasp, but like have to lean on each other in order to get through. Uh, a lot of very classic characters and stuff that I, I do really like. Yeah, The Wizard of Oz is a really good comparison. Um, yeah, I remember uh, back when I played this the first time, like JJ had also played it. 
uh, oh, yeah. ar- around the time it came out and like talking to him and him mentioning the golem character mm. uh, exactly <laughs> like you did to me you're like i don't know how you don't just use the golem character uh-huh. um and i was like i don't remember a golem character and like at the time i just thought it was like a thing that i missed in the game like a secret character right and I just found out uh like a week ago i just looked it up that it was a dlc and I don't know if it ever released on Wii U, but I couldn't find out because the Wii U eShop is now shut down. So Rest in peace. Yeah, so I, I was stuck playing the vanilla version of the game <laughs> with no golem character. Right. But um You tr- you didn't miss that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I, I, I didn't figure, but mm. um Yeah, like I think it it's also impressive to me that like each character personality comes through as much given that the game's all written in rhyme yeah uh like i feel like that's got to be like such a headache uh for the writing team so you know hats (laughs) off to them yeah i i did want to mention the rhyming thing because i remember when it first came up i like basically there's that transition that i think everybody probably experienced their first time with it where you get the opening cutscene that's in rhyme and then you're like that's cute and then the first couple lines of dialogue are spoken, and they're also in rhyme. And you're like, "This is gonna be a whole game? <laughs> are you gonna do the whole game in rhyme?" Uh, and it is, and that is the correct way to do it. You don't sprinkle the rhymes in. <laughs> you have to go whole hog on rhyming in order for this to really work out. Uh, and I would say it mostly does. I don't think that there is a poet alive <laughs> who could write all the dialogue in a game. And have the writing not suffer a little bit because it's all has to rhyme. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do a pretty good job of making it not extremely obnoxious. And I would normally not like this trait in a character as much. But I like the fact that Rubella just cannot fucking get it right. Mm-hmm. And characters have to keep uh, correcting her. or Which then further emphasizes her character traits with Tristis because when they have a conversation she doesn't rhyme but he picks it up like he'll the finish her sentences yeah like the rhyme scheme will continue or change a little bit um and so i was really impressed by it i don't think that it is it's not fucking a nobel winning <laughs> novel or something but it is uh, it is very impressive that they managed to get yeah. that much rhyme in. Do, do you do you think you like Rubella because you are Chad who sucks at rhyming <laughs> and you have no <laughs> rhythm, rhythm or, or comedic, comedic timing? timing? I think that is true. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I I think I agree a hundred percent. Like when I <laughs> when because I, I obviously remembered this about the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I booted it back up, I'm like, oh man, like kind of like just like really rolling my eyes at it. Like, uh, like the the constant rhyming almost makes it like hard to internalize what's happening, like yeah. what you're reading. But like you do really settle into it. Um, fortunately, uh, and I agree. Like it does work, and I think it does. Uh, like work in tandem with like the art and music to really like drive home the tone and they do do some clever things with it agreed <clears throat> yeah it doesn't take as much of a a front seat in terms of the uh storytelling as i think it could have like if they had worked more things into the rhymes that were directly the way that rubella and tristis do 
uh, or just Rubella as a character generally. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like I said, very impressive, and and I am I'm sort of glad they did it because I just don't think I've seen it before, uh, and that seems to be that's the that's the dividing <laughs> line for me with this game. It's like if I've never seen the thing that it's doing before, I like it. And if it's old hat and familiar, <laughs> then I think the game probably did it not good, and I didn't like that part of it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's weird, because like, I know that I didn't really get, not get as in understand, but like I didn't pick up all of the parts of the story. I didn't read a single confession. Apologies mm-hmm. for the lore masters out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like there are definitely parts of the story that I kind of overlooked because of because I was hyper focused on the rhyme. Yeah, it's easy to do that. At least I I think I fall into a similar camp. Yeah. Um I I did like read them all. Well, the ones I found, I didn't not get them all. Um yeah. But yeah, like it kind of just like in one ear out the other <laughs> a little bit. Um it has this kind of classic like speaking of like you compare it to Wizard of Oz, I think there's other things to compare it to. Um, I can't think of a specific one, but like, I think it's like, just kind of like a fantasy trope in general, like maybe like Narnia (laughs) where it's like, I think it's a part that Aurora is dead and she's woken up here like as like an afterlife kind of thing. Yeah. And like the kind of whole, like there's the, it keeps flashing to like her dad who was like a Duke and it's like there's kind of like this real world fantasy world parallel thing and it's like is this real is it not is it allegorical purely or right you know like that's like a classic fairy tale thing uh which i think this uses to it uses that like familiarity with that trope i think to good effect yeah, I I agree because the ambiguity between the is this really happening is obviously intentional. Um, there is a a part where, and I realized afterward that this isn't as much of a gotcha as I thought it was. <laughs> uh, but there is a a part in the story where uh, it flashes back to her mother's death, and she spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> A lot of people are dying here. Yeah. Uh, it, it flashes back to her mother's death, and she says, like, if uh, by fiend a mortal wound dealt, let her wake up in Cast that... a protection spell. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, with this thing I spelt... I'm trying to get the rhyme <laughs> to work. Uh, regardless, she has a thing that says, like, if Aurora were to die, take her to... Lemuria, which is the place where this game takes place, like yeah. the fantasy world. Uh, and to, I was like, oh, okay, so they're saying like, so she did die, but then this is like her afterlife going to Lemuria. Mm-hmm. But then she crosses back over to pull other human people into the afterlife uh, when the <laughs> flood happens. And I was like, oh, wait, hold on. This is probably still a metaphor. <laughs> she isn't resting these people from their mortal coils. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it is it is it is definitely like a, a sort of a, a allegorical kind mm-hmm. of situation. Uh, and I think you're just supposed to kind of like enjoy the ride so to speak this yeah. metaphor for dying and betrayal and and friendship and shit mm-hmm. uh, 
So overall, I think I, I, I would say I liked the, the story elements of the game. Um, I, I had a moment similar to, I don't know if you remember uh, in Celeste when mm. I was like, it's funny to me that this game takes place in Canada <laughs> just because like it's it's this game where people double jump and there's like ghosts and shit. Yeah. And they're like, also, it's just this place in Canada, which feels very domestic as somebody who's in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, and <laughs> like for this game to then go uh from the whole game maybe i missed this at the beginning Mm -hmm. but the very last cutscene being like anyway there's this island in austria oh it that is i think brought up at the beginning okay (laughs) i was like it didn't click with me at the time that this is an explicit real world setting and it is just austria Mm-hmm. At some point in time when Austria was a country. So it to me, it, it I had a sort of a similar effect to learning about that Celeste Mountain is a <laughs> place in Canada. Right. I was just like, oh, Lemuria is in Austria, essentially. <laughs> it's just kind of amusing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the name of that, that guy with the mask? That, Gus. That guy with the mask. <laughs> He's one of the party members. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, like the big... The big guy. Monster guy. Yeah. I think it starts with an O. It it starts like with an O and it ends with G- G-U-S. Okay. O- o- Olegus. Olegus. Or something like that. Ergus. Who knows? Uh, that was a really cool design. Yeah. That we didn't mention. I wanted to call that out. <laughs> yeah, like, that's an interesting part of the game, too, I think. Because, mm-hmm. like... I wish this part would have gone on a little longer and maybe they would have like taken your ability to fly away too. Cause like, you don't have Igniculus um, and you're unable to like get those little chests that he can open. Yeah. And like, you're unable to like do certain things cause you don't have him. And like, it's a classic, like kick the crutch out from under you moment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they could have milked that a little bit more. And, I agree. Like, it, 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 because I'm me, makes me think of Kingdom Hearts. I guess, spoilers for Kingdom Hearts. There's a part in it where you lose the Keyblade oh, yeah. in Hollow Bastion, and uh, Donald and Goofy leave you, and it's just you and Beast mm-hmm. that go through like the Hollow Bastion sewers or whatever. <laughs> and it felt it feels very that, because it's just you and a big monster guy. And a big cool monster. <laughs> going through a dungeon. So, yeah, like, I, just, I don't know. I, just, I think that part's really like interesting. And I feel like it could have stewed in it a little longer. I agree. And also, he has the most, like, uh, fucking blink and you'll miss it side quest in oh, the whole yeah. game. To free his his brethren. Yep. You just sort of go through a door and I think you, like, solve a puzzle and it's then they're like just a, there. It's like a little mini Lost Woods puzzle where right. you have to, like, find the path. Yeah, that was another thing, and I guess this the, we were sort of past the part where this makes uh, a lot of sense to talk about. Uh-huh. But I have such a love hate relationship with the little f- flowers and the wish mm. things. Uh, where t- for if you haven't played the game, there's a mechanic in the game where when you run into these little flowers, they shake loose a trail of things, and if you collect them in the proper order, uh, then you get health and magic and stuff. It was. I would say reasonably engaging to do those things uh, in order to 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 get the reward at the end, but 
I hated that they frequently were used to just show you the solution to puzzles and stuff. So, like, I can't even say that the puzzles in this game elevated the exploration or brought it back because I didn't really do any of them. Mm -hmm. I just kind (laughs) of would fly into a thing and it would point like a literal arrow at the thing you're supposed to go to. And, like, that one was the most egregious example because the puzzle is not even hard to solve. <laughs> There's a statue with a symbol. Right. In that, the background. Yeah. That indicates which door to go through each time. And, but for some reason, they also included the flowers that lead you to the correct door every time. Yeah. It, it, it strikes me as very like Nintendo circa like the Wii era, like design thinking where it's like, we need to like put stuff in there for like any casual like audience members we pick up just because the game looks pretty. Right. Like we okay. need to have like something in there to like help those kinds of people out. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure exactly where you're going. I was like, this isn't like funky mode. No. But funky that was a later but Nintendo it's just, development. <laughs> yeah, it's just like really <laughs> obvious, like handholdy. Yeah. But it's like trying to be subtle. Uh-huh. But it isn't yeah it just doesn't succeed yeah. in being subtle because if you're too subtle then the dunces you're yeah, trying then, to guide then the people you're trying to help aren't <laughs> going to catch it yeah so yeah that was a bit of a a disappointment i would say yeah it they annoy me and i don't know that this is like particularly avoidable or necessarily like a bad thing about the game but like just for, there's so many of them. Yeah. And, like, even if I am full on magic and health, I'd still feel compelled to, like, get every <laughs> single one of them. Yeah. In a way that, like, annoys me. But that's m- more annoying. Or just me being more annoyed with my habits, I guess. <laughs> I'll say that I did it probably less, but still kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta fly into the thing. It's like a glowing thing it's on like the screen. like, you gotta collect the stuff. Yeah, like, I'm not just gonna not get it. Like, that isn't a thing that I would do. So I would hit it, and then sometimes it would fly away off the screen, and I would just go, like, fuck uh, it. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind. That's what I have to say about that. Uh, and then I would fly away and go through the windmill for a seventh yeah, well, time. And that's, like, smart, too, sometimes, because, like, you can leave it for and you come back. Like, you might need health then. That's true. Or it'll go and highlight something that you haven't found yet, like, way in the in the future. Yeah, it's still or just there. maybe it'll lead you to a confession or something. Yeah. If you're lucky. Do we want to finally broach the topic of uh, the turn-based combat system in the game? And then close out with some other stuff. After, After the, the break... break. Yeah! That would be great. It's a slant rhyme. It's Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> On the break, have some cake. And my thirst, I will slake. There it is. Look at us. With the cold bruise cake. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. You... You were close. You were close. Uh, bum, bum, oh, can can we license bum, that? Bum, 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 oh, I would love bum, to. Bum. We'll just do, make our theme song the um, Pokemon trading card game battle theme. Yeah. And then we'll make our mid-roll music the Pokemon Snap. You came back to the lab music. <laughs> exactly. 
That's and then we'll make our end card music like sticker brush symphony or something. Because <laughs> the end card themes were always chill vibes. That is true. Except in our videos, in which case they're us fucking up yeah. something. <laughs> Uh, if you don't listen, well, it could to just the... have chill vibe song underneath of it. True. If you don't listen to the end of these episodes, you should start. We got some funny jokes in there. Mm-hmm. There's a great one about farting that I can't get out of my head for some reason. <laughs> also, we say what game we're gonna play next at the end. That's so true. There's practical reasons to skip to the end. <laughs> so if you get there, at least stick around for the five second gap and then the blooper. Um, what were we talking about? Child of Light. Child of Light. Combat system. Yes. Um, the combat system in Child of Light <laughs> is... <laughs> I honestly forget when I said... It was so long ago that I said this. Mm-hmm. That I have zero recollection of what episode it would have been on. You might remember, but I don't know. Uh-huh. I'll but try. <laughs> I, I said... Hey, <laughs> uh huh. We can't keep, and by we, I don't mean the No Clip Podcast. I mean we, video as game a, developers, or as a society, even people generally can't keep saying that this game did a spin on the <laughs> traditional turn-based combat system because no one does just turn-based combat anymore. Mm-hmm. It's been like. 30 years (laughs) since that was like a thing you could do in a game now every game has some kind of meter or resource or it's a fucking shoot 'em up secretly inside (laughs) of your turn-based game that it isn't like it's it's not it's no longer a spin it's like an expected element yeah um and this game's that is all about timing uh it's got a, a a meter that mm-hmm. feel, that goes over time that's like a final fantasy yeah the active time combat system from, atb bar yeah from whatever game that was in. <laughs> i want to say seven i think was seven the first added. one that had the atb bar that would make sense yeah uh, i apologize if six had it because <laughs> i don't remember yeah i've never played six so. yeah but yeah so your character has like a cast speed right. i think is what it is in this game that dictates like how fast they move up the bar so it's like all your characters and the enemies are all on this bar mm-hmm. and then at the end there's like a red area that's like the casting zone right uh and if you get attacked while you're in the casting zone you get interrupted and you get set back right so it's all about trying to manipulate that bar mm-hmm. um you have your firefly friend igniculus that you can control with the right stick and um you can use him to like stun the enemies to slow them down on the bar um and you can also use him to heal you Mm -hmm. so i find it like surprisingly engaging yeah it's a very deep system yeah it's like it's like something that can like yeah because like it always feels like you could be optimizing more than you are right uh there's like that kind of element to it but like it's almost like it targets two different parts of your brain like there's a part of your brain that will engage with the turn-based kind of combat Mm. and then there's like this other part of your brain that might feel neglected by turn-based combat (laughs) that wants to do something active right that you can use to move 
Igniculus around and manage that stuff yeah. more actively. And it ends up kind of in the same place that uh, The World Ends With You does, where it feels really difficult to manage both things at the same time. But, but much more, much, much more manageable. Way more manageable. <laughs> yeah. Crazy amounts more manageable. It's just like, especially at the very beginning of a Oh, fight, yeah, yeah, yeah. You always have to, like, fucking drag Igniculus's slow ass to the other side so that you're ready to, like, slow stuff down, because obviously nobody needs healing yet. Uh, and mm-hmm. so there's like this this push and pull plus it, their little refills on every combat screen that you can hit for yeah. health and MP once, and then they'll respawn with wishes with just wishes that just yeah, refill so you have with to firefly. Manage there. when you use those. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 a very deep system, like in a way that I wasn't expecting it to be. Yeah, and like I, I don't know how if I had a dollar for every time I went to stun a guy and then been like, "Fuck, I should have not stunned that guy because then I could have interrupted him." Uh-huh. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, and then like you, uh, all of your different moves have a different attack speed. There's mm-hmm. there's short, medium, long, and very long. Uh, and it's interesting because like you would think a very long attack speed is bad. In a game where everything... But those are the best moves. They're good moves, but they also... Sometimes it's good to have one because you can queue one that will connect with somebody once they get there. So you have different places that you can place your attacks in order to hit more things. Yeah, or if like an enemy is already in the bar, Mm -hmm. as you show up, you can just use a short move so that you can hopefully interrupt them and set them back. Right, yeah. So your other character can hit them. Yeah, and this is why I said... Uh, why don't you just use the golem character? Mm. Uh, because all of his moves are... Oh, is he really fast? He's really slow. Oh, okay. So all of them are long and very long. And then I would use Rubella, who has the short tumble move. Right. And is a fast character generally. So I would always, like, try and use those two because I have a lot of coverage. Yeah, my my version of that is was just Finn and Rubella. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Finn's got, like, the multiple target big magic bombs he does have those bombs so those are all very long cast Uh. times and then rubella (laughs) is short i'd switch out like rubella and aurora a lot yeah because the light magic go figure is really good it is very strong Um, yeah so yeah yeah there's and there's other stuff we will talk about and i remember to bring it up Mm -hmm. believe me uh (laughs) even though i'm not well known for remembering to bring stuff up uh but yeah, that's those are essentially the basics of the combat system. Very timing based and uh, like character swapping. That's the other thing that I think is big uh, because I feel like this game took like the Final Fantasy X system where you could swap mid battle mm, anytime. Yeah, and because everybody had like a different speed, they would act at different times. Yeah, in the, and in you the don't order. lose your turn if you swap. Yeah. So not like Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you make a lot of use of it. You make a lot of use of character swapping. You make a lot of use of the right stick and having to move uh, the Firefly around and paying attention to that meter and stuff. So it is a very engaging combat system, honestly, whether you like want it to be or not. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have the option to, like, just veg out with this. You have to be, like, on top of your shit. You can, like, sit on your... When you're choosing what action to take. Yeah. You can, like, set the controller down for a second and think. (laughs) 
because everything pauses when you're doing that. And it makes me think that that's like the overall design philosophy of the game was that they were like, what if we had an RPG where you were just actively doing stuff all the time? That's why there's obstacles in the overworld. That's why the combat system is fucking as frantic as it is. Uh, I say frantic. It's not like fucking break your controller, do an electric wind god fist. You have to pay attention the whole time. Yeah, you have to be actively participating in order to do well. Yeah, you can't just start the battle and like set the controller down Mm -hmm. because the bar is going. Like I always do in every game. And it was not a (laughs) habit I managed to break. So I kept being like, what? (laughs) Yeah, you gotta wait a minute. Yeah. Gotta wait till you hit the bar. Uh, so anyway, now would probably be a good time to say that I wasn't a big fan of the combat system. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't not like it, uh-huh. uh, to be specific. I, I feel like the combat system in this game was engaging, and I thought that the stuff that it did uniquely was very cool. Um, <laughs> my issue comes mostly with sort of like management it felt like you always have two characters and most of the time all fights are against three enemies Mm -hmm. uh at the beginning and then you kill them off and get it down to one yeah when you get down to one enemy i think (laughs) i think is what the game really wanted to avoid because it's comically easy yeah it all challenge is gone uh once you've killed you know any other enemies because you can very easily set up interruptions on characters you can topple lock you can essentially topple (laughs) lock characters uh and then the the other negative downside is when they try to compensate for that they will give enemies the ability to counter attack um either they'll counter an interruption or they'll counter a specific kind of attack and it it feels like you don't know that they're going to do it when it's a boss. You can kind of expect that it's like there's some element of that that's going to come into play. But when it's a regular enemy and they're just like countering an eruption, I'm like, fuck off. You're a dog. <laughs> like, why do you have like a an epic move? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like the a lot of times it's like buffs and debuffs. Like mm-hmm. they'll make all the other enemies faster in like you or you slower uh and i i don't know if it's like supposed to be like a gameplay story merger thing but nora is the character that has the speed up and slow down buffs yeah and then she leaves your party there's like a twist in like the latter like three-fourths of the game where she is revealed to be evil and leaves the party and her name's actually Knox, which is a much more evil name. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, like, and then, like, there's a part, like, right after that where, like, the enemies do a lot of that stuff. And it, like, really stings because you can't do anything about it. Right. And it can be, like, like some of the most punishing stuff. So, overall, I think the game's fairly easy. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's where it gets, like, a little dicey is, I think, like, right after you lose Nora yeah and it does suck because if you're anything like me like i use nora frequently i thought she was very good 
I think uh, that feels intentional to yeah. me. So that they could take her away. Exactly. She's the Yuna of this game. Yeah. Where you get used to having her around and being able to put haste on everybody. And then she's fuck- she fucks off for like six chapters. And you're like, oh no. And then this game ends. You yeah. don't get her back. <laughs> you don't get the Yeah. She's just evil and you kill her ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, why couldn't you turn into a big dragon? when you were fighting (laughs) on my side because that would have been dope uh and the answer obviously is because it uh has its two arms count as two other enemies right and that would overload the left side of the screen (laughs) uh and she knows how the game is designed because she's like a deadpool kind of character who i'm making all of these things up (laughs) this game kind of feels like it could have a fourth wall breaking character in it yeah and it would fit. I feel like it would be Tristis also. Yeah. Like he's 101,000%. He's just so depressed that he's seen through. Yeah, he like rolls his eyes and mm. then like looks at you. Yeah. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's like, it's all pointless. We're just code in a machine. Uh, Am I right? Yeah, there's no reason to fucking whatever. Like snap zoom in on his face. Uh-huh. And anyway, what I meant to say there, obviously, was it's all pointless. We're just coding the machine. You would be as sad as I am if you'd seen what I've seen. Uh, in there a, you go. Yeah, I fixed. I've written dialogue. <laughs> For Child of Light, <laughs> too. Coming in 2024. 10 is the 10-year ten, ten anniversary. anniversary. Written by a guy who didn't like the first one that much. <laughs> uh but anyway, yeah, that's the um, mm-hmm. that's what I was saying. I about think Nora I remember. about Nora being a big dragon. You were making a joke about that. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> just the the enemy counterattack thing. Oh yeah. So yeah. I feel like there wasn't really a way to prepare for it. It made the parts of the game where the combat actually was difficult feel a little unfair. Like it felt like there was no way for them to challenge you, the player. Without doing things that felt kind of underhanded, uh, which may, which kind of just leaves a bit of a stink on the system to me. Like, it's like you ever fucking and when I say you ever, I mean everybody's played the game has done this. You ever fight enemies that have a resistance to physical damage? Mm. It fucking sucks. How many casters do you have? Two ever? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's probably why I use Finn, so Finn and Aurora so much. Yeah, Aurora's got both. Yeah, as a classic RPG protagonist, who <laughs> can do all trades. Yeah. She can also heal. Yep. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it just I don't know that kind of stuff is like, because like I wouldn't like swap out to use because your MP is pretty limited. Uh, like the number of spells you can cast is fairly mm, limited yeah. for most of the game. The numbers are balanced low to yeah. low numbers. They're low, except for experience points, which they just scale way yeah. out of control early and never really get a handle on. Uh, which honestly is fine. It's not a competitive game, so you can t- t- scale your leveling however you want. Yeah, so I guess I, two different things I can go into, I guess. Um, so you're somebody who generally likes to experiment a little bit more in an rpg than me yeah do you ever find like a good use for robert oh like he always just kind of seemed like the extra guy that i didn't know really know like what he was supposed to be good at yeah i to me 
I liked her. I actually did use Robert. Uh, not he didn't have like a niche to me. Yeah, that's he, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, he was more just like he can hit multiple guys. Yeah, which is for always free good. without using MP. Yeah, uh, but eventually everybody can do that. Yeah. Uh, so he, it's not really. I guess it's it's kind of a shorter cast time than a lot of them. They're usually very long. His is yeah. long. He kind of felt like we talked about Waka. Yeah. On Final Fantasy X, where it's like kind of hard to tell what he's supposed to be good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar thing. He's Which like a means ranged. That Robert is probably enemy. the best character in the game, secretly. <laughs> we just didn't figure it out. He's the Waka. <laughs> yeah. No, he had. Um, it's it To me, like I felt like he just did a lot of damage mm. because you could pump his crits. Uh, I went fully oh, down the tree sense. that makes his critical yeah. hit percentage higher. Um, but. I don't know. I would use him essentially for that. If I was just fighting something that had a lot of health and it was the last thing on the screen, I would put yeah. Robert in and he would just shoot arrows at them and until it was dead. It made it go a little bit faster. But that's not really a useful niche to fill in this game. Yeah. Uh, so I do agree with you. I don't think... To me, Tristis is the one who felt really useless mm. because most of his utility is available in other characters yeah. who can actually do other things. He's good, yeah, but like you get him so late in the game that mm. you're already used to using other characters to do that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, he does kind of feel like Yeah, he needed like a good <laughs> like physical attack or magic attack or something yeah. to justify like putting him in, I think. Or the game needed to eventually expand to allow you to have three, three characters, characters. Yeah, because I could see him being useful as a oh, guy yeah. who provides. He'd buffs. be super useful as a third character. Yeah, similar to Gus, the big monster. Yeah, man. or um, Jen, even. Yes. Yeah, Jen, I actually used yeah. to fucking roll the final boss by yeah, just yeah, using yeah. her paralyze ability three times. Yeah, no, Jen is good, <laughs> but like. Once again, it comes so late in the game. Yeah, it was, like... it was the first time I ever did anything with her. I just started the final boss fight by paralyzing her three times in a row. And then just beat the shit out of the, like, ads. Right. And then she was out of MP, and I just put her in the Pokemon box. Yeah. I put her in Bill's PC. You returned her to the Pokeball. <laughs> yeah, and swapped her out for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, same problem with Tristis, though. Like... She also comes so late, you don't really feel like you've grown with her. Yeah. The way that you do with the other characters. Because you have a plan, right, for the other characters. You're like, because they give you the skill tree has, like, usually three or more different routes. And so you're like, oh, okay, I see if I go down yeah. this way. Make them the defensive yeah. the attack or the magic is the split, usually. Right. And so you kind of make that decision for each of them. And then Jen's just like, here's 19 points. Just do yep. what you want. <laughs> You're like, oh, all right, <laughs> I guess I'll do that. Uh, it just feels kind of bad. Yeah, and I guess the other thing that I thought of, also going to keep making comparisons to Final Fantasy X, weirdly. Um, <laughs> I think the game invites it. Yeah, like, I think... I, I, I really dislike when a RPG is balanced such that someone's leveling up after every battle. Oh, yeah. And you're going into the skill tree to put points in a tree after every fight. Uh-huh. Uh, that was a big thing that annoyed me about the sphere grid, and it's a big thing that annoys me in this game. Is someone's leveling up every fucking battle, and you have to go in and, and spend those points on the tree. <laughs> yeah. I'm of... I was of two minds of this on Final Fantasy X. It always puts the 
Gate Plus or oh, whatever yeah. controller you're using uh, to go into the menu and spend those points. <laughs> it's got to tell Come you. Come on. Got to remind you to do go, it. Go in the menu. <laughs> uh, I was of two minds of this in Final Fantasy X because I agree with you. I don't like the amount of times that you level up and the fact that it makes you constantly have to drop into the menu and go do a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. But in Final Fantasy X, I felt like I was excited a little bit. I had hope in my heart still mm-hmm. because I liked the sphere grid. I wanted yeah. to go into the sphere grid and see where I was going with everyone and make choices and stuff. Um, I can also see uh, them doing a system like Final Fantasy X where you don't get experience unless you participate in the battle. But that makes me feel like like Robert, right? We just <laughs> yeah. never level up in the whole game uh, and it would suck for him. Uh, and you know, and that as you get new characters, they would just continually be neglected because you would just use the ones that you've been using and just keep them going for the whole game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I see why they did it the way they did it. They're like, everyone gets experience, which means that people are leveling up fucking constantly. Mm-hmm. But then I am no longer of two minds <laughs> because I think the skill tree in this game sucks ass. <laughs> it's like... It's it's not that they give experience to everybody that's, like, the problem. It's just, like, balance it different so that, like, you'd level up every five battles. Like, reduce the level cap, reduce how much experience things give you. Right. So that it's not happening so often. Yeah. Increase the skill grid rewards. Yeah. Rather than make more of them. Yeah. Because it'll be that like... That also works. Like, uh, strength plus two. I'm like, sick. I love strength plus two. <laughs> but if you had just made me wait a little bit longer and given me a strength plus five, that's the same stat increase uh, in the same amount of time, but I didn't have to go into the menu four times mm-hmm. to do it. Uh, so I kind of, that is, I I would agree with that. I think they needed to make it so that you were in the menu less often. Um, in fact, I think that that is, to come back to what I was going to mention before, uh, one of the reasons that I was incapable of engaging with the Oculi system entirely. Oh, yeah. Because I did not want to spend even one more <laughs> second in the menu than I was already being forced to. Yeah. The Oculi system is, yeah, like, it feels underdeveloped or like, I don't know, like it's it, it's not quite there because um, a lot of them just do stuff that like you don't really care right. about. It's like add fire damage to your attacks, you know, and that's all well and good and everything. But like the game doesn't really go all in on elemental uh like weaknesses and stuff like it i don't know it just doesn't really matter like you end up like putting on like there are some that like boost your mp or like boost your attack power or whatever you just kind of you just kind of throw on whatever yeah it's very much like it this doesn't really matter that much yeah in fact well that leads me to yet another thing so i'll hold on to that for a second Mm -hmm. but yeah it it, it, to me like i got to a point there's a point where that we talked about already where you go to jail uh it takes all your shit off of your characters i I didn't even put them back on uh see i did (laughs) i couldn't not right uh but no yeah i was like god damn it like why couldn't they just re-equip 
all the stuff that they had. When I realized that, which was like two hours <laughs> afterward, I was like, oh shit, all the oculi are gone off of all my characters. I realized you that hadn't it, noticed. Yeah, I was like, it's unnecessary. I don't need any of these yeah, things. The game is just is too easy for it to mm-hmm. really matter. Yeah. And same with Stardust. I don't want to agonize over a single use item if the difference isn't going to actually be noticeable. Yeah, you just fucking just throw them on. Just throw don't, them on. Don't agonize about it. Just whatever. No, I just never looked at them. Mm. I, I used one Stardust at the beginning of the game because I had some that apparently were DLC Stardust. <laughs> uh, okay. And Get I your... was... Five million red orbs or whatever. Yeah. And so I was walking around and I like opened the thing. Yeah, I had my all my red orbs in there. And I was like, oh shit, what are these? It's like increased speed permanently. I was like, oh run faster. So I like put the speed on on Aurora, not knowing that there were gonna be ca- other characters in the game. Right. Or like what speed meant. Uh and I did that and then I didn't see any difference and then I just forgot about them for the rest of the game. Yeah, um, I was gonna use them all right before the final boss, <laughs> but then they throw you into the final boss without uh, a, a break in between. Uh, so I and I beat it on the first try, so I just never did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just can't not. I just, I just can't let stuff like that sit in my inventory. I guess. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they they aren't necessary. Yeah, and it's the same with Oculi. To me, it feels like these are all these supplemental systems. That because that's what RPGs have. Yeah, and they don't really add anything. Mm-hmm. The combat system itself is novel enough that I think if they just diverted all the resources into making it really polished, it would. Not that I assume Stardust took much development time. <laughs> Here's a pickup. It adds a stat, uh, but like just it, not even that. More the oculi and stuff. Like having to put all these places to find them mm-hmm. and then you have like i had like hundreds of them at the end of the game yeah it's, it's, uh, yeah it's like supposed to be like a exploration reward mm-hmm. yeah like i i feel like if they just like pared down on some of that stuff like if there were less oculi uh-huh. um and you didn't couldn't like craft a bunch of different combinations of them uh if it, yeah, it was just more like a raise attack, raise defense, raise magic stuff, like simple stuff. Yeah, that would be a lot better. Uh, it's like this one on your shield does something different than on your sword, than you know, etc. Um, yeah, so if it was like simplified a bit, and then like the game was actually a bit harder, you know, if it just kind of shifted its priorities a bit. Yeah, it's just like something to make because like I'm the kind of person who likes to make a loadout and like likes to min max. And I did it a little bit in the skill tree system, but I could not be bothered, to, especially considering the way the Oculi system works is you have to, like, you take three of the low tier ones and they make one of the mid tier, uh, which is fine and good if you could do it in bulk. But, like, I'm not going to sit there and yeah. be like, put it here, put it there, put it there, craft one, yeah. put it there and do that nine fucking times to get one of the highest tier ones. Yeah. That's absurd. There's no chance I'm doing any of that. Ten times, actually. Uh, <laughs> and not only that, but there's like three, five, there's, I don't know, can you just make Onyx ones? Are they like a diamond combination or something? <sighs> I don't remember. I don't remember either. I know I picked one up at the end of the game and was like, well, that's new. 
uh, which means that there are seven different kinds of them. Yeah. And they have three different things that they can to- do depending on when they're where they're equipped. So that's like 21 different functions to keep in mind. And I'm no. <laughs> right. Not going to do it. Um, yeah. I don't know. A lot of the supplemental systems in this I felt just were underwhelming, too useless. Mm-hmm. And it, it disappointed me a bit. Also, the elemental thing that you mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. it's It feels, like I said before, that you have two casters and only one of them can really specialize in elements. And, like, yeah, I figured that there were going to be water enemies in the underwater temple part. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I didn't have, like, an idea going in which, like, element to prepare for. And so it's not like you equip the oculi to give an elemental boost to stuff. Yeah, I think it's what they want, though. Yeah, like, yeah. And it, yeah, it is. It is weird. Like certain things almost kind of feel like they're going to be intuitive. Like there's certain monsters, like I would have classified as like beasts, uh-huh. and those are like weak to fire. Uh, but uh-huh. sometimes, like, but like. There were, like, these ogre enemies that I would have thought fire would be good against, but it wasn't. Right. Uh, And then it's, like, in the Sky Temple, I'm like, oh, lightning would be the most effective. And I think it is on some of the enemies. Uh (laughs) And then uh, you go to the Water Temple later, and lightning is good on them. So it always felt like lightning was the best one to me uh, for some reason. But, like, maybe that was just my own perception. (laughs) Like I found it really hard to tell. Like, water felt useless. Exactly. Well, yeah, there's, there are enemies that are... There's, like, rock enemies that it's good on. (laughs) It's good on There's, like, the fire reaper guys. Yeah. They're, like, fire enemies that are, like, clearly blazing. Yeah. And... There's not that many of them. There aren't many, and they're, like, the only enemy that it's obvious that water is good on. And I don't know if all enemies have a weakness. I literally never used a fire ability Mm. and had it say weak to fire. I've just, I would use it and it would be like normal damage. And I'm like, who the fuck is weak to fire? (laughs) Who is it? Maybe they were. Which among you? I think all enemies are either weak to physical or magic damage too. Yeah. So like, yeah, sometimes with like Aurora, there'd be enemies that are like weak to light magic. Mm -hmm. And if you hit them with the sword, because I had an oculi on the sword to do light magic. Oh, okay. Uh, So if I hit him with the sword. It would be like not very effective because they're like resistant to physical. But then if I hit them with the light magic spell, like the ray of light or whatever it was called, yeah, it was like blam, like three hundred damage, boom. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's it. Just it was very unclear, and it would honestly help if it had like a Pokemon style, like after you fought a thing, mm. it would tell you if they're weak well, to it. Even if it doesn't even have to go that far if they don't want to spell it out for you, but mm-hmm. like leaning into like the elemental idea, like and having it be like obvious that you're fighting like a grass thing right. that's weak to fire, or obvious that you're fighting a water thing that's weak to lightning, lightning. yeah, etc. But they didn't really. No. They, in fact, sometimes you it's fight like like three-skinned versions the of the same enemies that will be weak to an element where the other versions were not. Yeah. Like, I remember hitting one of those archer guys mm. with a lightning attack and having him be weak to it and just being like, what? Like, oh, yeah, Because he was blue. But he was a blue one. Yeah. He's got, obviously, a water tree archer Yeah. Now. It, <laughs> it, it only makes sense. Yeah. 
so yeah, that then ended up being kind of it, it's just sort of this morass of elements of combat and menuing and RPG stuff that just sit as a big lump on the game <laughs> being an unattractive eyesore that doesn't add anything of particular value and it made me sad because the combat system itself is very cool and i wish that it had gotten expanded a little bit um and the game looks and reads and sounds real good the music is real good the sound design is there's like a part do you remember this part of the game (laughs) okay uh where i think it's when you meet meet when you fight the boss that's like a just a troll with like a flail and he's like i guard the door it's like right at the entrance to the submarine area Uh uh-huh and the camera does this thing where it like steps in three at a time Mm. and like shifts left and right okay and there's just no sound effect at all for it. <laughs> I'm like, this is where you put, like, stomping footsteps or anything here to sell this movement. But it just feels like somebody advancing through a PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I there are parts of the sound design that made me kind of, you know, turn my head and go like, uh, what happened? <laughs> to this where where did the sounds go or like why is this sound the one that you chose Mm. uh and it contrasts so heavily with the music which is always this like beautiful flowing piano track yeah i can't say that i remember that uh i lost i died to him so i had to see it twice and so it really got in there yeah and i can't say the sound design stood out to me at all either uh but uh i don't know the when you get hit and your crown falls off and it goes plink 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 on the ground that's pretty good sound design. it's great yeah <laughs> and also like people would drop their swords and stuff they yeah. have sounds for that as well in combat the sound design is actually great yeah uh so can't cannot deny that yeah i it just didn't stand out to me yeah so you want to talk about that ending of the game yeah so I, I remember, once again, played this when it came out in 2014, and as mentioned many times before, I played games much more casually for the podcast, um, and I remember, like, beating the game and, you know, enjoying it and whatever, and then, like, talking to JJ about it and him being like, I, know, I felt like the game just kind of ended. <laughs> uh, it, it felt like the ending kind of needed, like, a... Like a part in the middle where you're like stuck in the queen's dungeon and you have to escape or like Mm -hmm. some kind of like final area or something and i remember like being like having not thought about it at the time (laughs) um and then playing it this time and being like oh yeah like beating the sky temple feels like it's halfway through the game and then you just like do the water temple and then like fast forward essentially to the (laughs) final boss yeah it feels like the game just ran out of all its money and just had to wrap up as fast as it could. Um, yeah, like you do the the water temple, which is like a cool area, you know, like visually, you know, like the rest of the game. Uh, and then I think it's the best like self-contained dungeon yeah, in the game. It is cool and good. And uh, <laughs> it is super awesome and cool. Um, and then... You fight Nox at the end of it, mm-hmm. right? 
who is much more evil now and used to be your good sister. Yeah. Um, and then it just takes you right to the final boss after that. And it does feel really strange that you don't like get to, cause you level up in between. You don't get to spend the points. You don't get to like put together your party to go fight the final <laughs> boss. You just go right into it. And it is like, it's very strange. Yeah. Yeah. It's real weird. Especially the fart. The, the fart. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so disappointed in myself. <laughs> especially i was going for the fact and the part and it just kind of happened just kind of came out it just kind of slipped out you know it squeaked out uh-huh. um uh especially the part where it does just like you go from the nox fight straight into the fight with the evil stepmother umbra. the umbra and it does it feels even that feels like like <sighs> Early there's, in the game. Feels like there's at least a missing scene. Yeah. Anything. Because yeah. it plays this this sequence of of Aurora essentially dying mm-hmm. and then coming back as Gandalf the White. Yeah, she's like, nah, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then she like ascends straight up in the air. There's even a line that's yeah. like, but let's fly there fast. And she's like, okay. Oh, Sure. Yeah, she will do it. She like resurrects and it's just like, okay, now I'm just gonna fly to the balance. <laughs> yep. And they don't at any it's point like, oh. let you stop and access the menu or heal or do anything. Can't assign your skill points. It, it's like, oh, you're alive. Aurora, let's go fight the final boss. Oh, she's <laughs> she's right over there. <laughs> what? How, how convenient. <laughs> and even the boss, like, early in the game, uh, in the well. You fight a Hydra, mm. and, like, the Hydra has three different heads that are coded to three different elements, and so, like, you can use the elemental weakness on the boss, and, like, because right. you just got Finn, and that's his whole shtick, and, you know, so he's good against that, and it moves wildly and has, like, these fast combo moves that paralyze you and do other stuff. And it's, like, a really deep, in-depth boss. And then you get to the end of the game, and it's, like, you fight a dragon, and then you fight a dragon... And then you fight a dragon. You just fight three dragons in a row uh, as three bosses. And the and the third one, the final boss, Umbra, is the least creative of all of them. Because she just has <laughs> two, two crows. regular-ass birds <laughs> who are there. And then you just have to kill them. And then you wail on her for a while. And she's not even particularly threatening compared to the previous boss. just has a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it really does feel like... You say I didn't think about this at all, considering I'm playing like a remastered version that obviously had more work done on it. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, they just ran out. They they just had. It's like the fucking Super Mario Sunshine re-release. People mm-hmm. are like, "Do you think they're gonna fix that?" No, <laughs> <laughs> they're just gonna put out the same game again. Yeah, uh, it seems like yeah, they ran completely out of stuff and just rushed it out at the end. It was is a lot. It was a little little give and take for me because I was like real into the fact that the game was pretty short. Yeah, <laughs> but as far as like the pacing of the story goes, it just it just goes. We're done. I don't think it was that bad leading up, honestly. But like just that last dungeon into the final boss was very. It was a very like touch and go. <laughs> yeah, very abrupt shift. Mm-hmm. Uh. You have any straggling thoughts? Do we have straggling thoughts? 
Um, I mean, I really might have had some. The only other thing that I just wanted to mention, I should have mentioned on the first half when we we're talking about the aesthetics of the game, yeah, is this. I think the the design of the dwarf characters is like kind of brilliant that mm-hmm. they have like an anglerfish antenna because uh-huh. like they're miners, you know, like dwarves always are, but like that's how they see in the dark is with like a bioluminescent anglerfish antenna yeah and like that's such an inspired idea it's a good idea that i like yeah it's so cool i don't know why i feel like this has been done in other media before but they also have a gag where they're like how old are you finn and he's like i'm 10 and he's like he's got a big beard yeah and that's like just sort of a one-off joke but i was like i feel like it's got to have deeper implications (laughs) these kinds of jokes always uh stand out to you that is true well yeah like with melia and xenoblade yeah why i'm just very obsessed with characters ages for some reason Mm -hmm. melia's 80 years old what the fuck is that why is nobody why does everyone regard her as a child and say that Charla is the old one. Anyway, that's already shit that's been covered. <laughs> oh yeah. Also, I love the very capitalist mouse character of Robert. Oh yeah. Where any chance he gets, he's gonna fucking talk you off about the the fucking free market Economy, and shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very. He's just trying to get laid. He is, yeah, and I like that she is like, I'm not a market, why are you even interested in me? I was like, <laughs> fucking cold burn, dude. That's great. Uh, anyway, yeah, those are the last notes on the characters. Yes. Do we have fantasy storybook thoughts? Fairy tale thoughts? Do we have fairy tale thoughts? Uh, my fairy tale thoughts are, um, I enjoy this game. It's one that, uh, I, as I described on the first half, like I just kind of found, I just stumbled upon. And this is the per, that's the perfect scenario. I think for this game is it for it to just be this like pleasant little thing that you just kind of stumble upon and play. Uh, and yeah, like, there's so much about it that I really like. Like, I love the aesthetic of it. I love the UBART engine in general and that it allows for a game that looks like this. I like the tone. Uh, I think it plays with fairy tale storybook elements uh, in an effective way. Um, I think, yeah, like, the basics of the combat system are interesting and engaging. Um, yeah, it just feels like it ran out of money unfortunately uh i know it was like a experimental budget title um but like man they really tried their hardest and it almost makes it sting all the more <laughs> that they got like so close to making something really good and were held back uh by the circumstances so yeah and it sucks just even harder that ubisoft doesn't seem to care about uh using the engine or taking this kind of approach to game making anymore um because like i would love to see a sequel or a spiritual successor to this that like carries on some of the ideas adult of light adult of light obviously uh is what i want uh specifically um but yeah like i i think like this game's got a lot of cool ideas and things going on that i'd like to see an iteration on or more of so 
Yeah, like it's got some unique things in it. It's got a lot of charm. Uh, and, you know, it's like one of those kind of indie games that stands out in my memory. Like, I'm glad that I, I played it. So, yeah, like it's like kind of like a victim of circumstance and kind of just is what it is on the other hand, you know. So I like it. It speaks to a lot of my specific tastes. So there you go. Hooray. You know, it's kind of a niche (laughs) thing. So and it it is kind of in my niche. So I I enjoy the game. Yeah, I would say (laughs) I would honestly love to uh, hear people who were involved with this game talk about making it more so than a lot of other games we've played, because I, I would just like to see sort of like the workflow and how things shook out the way they did, because this game does feel like it had a lot of really cool ideas. I, as somebody who falls outside of the wheelhouse of this game by, I think all metrics more or less, um, as expected, I'm not like saying it's praises, but it does enough that intrigues me that I would say it's definitely worth looking at if for no other reason than to just see like a, uh, sort of a different take on uh, a lot of things, really. A different take on uh, world traversal and on, uh, well, not, I guess not the traversal itself, but the design of the world. You can see where it, it went right and where it went wrong. And the combat system, which does have a lot of meat to it, it's some of the most frantic RPG combat that I've played in a long time. So uh, definitely a cool game. Uh, like you said, the aesthetics, the music, I think all worked really well. Uh, and most likely Ubisoft isn't coming back to it because they got that Rabbids money now. <laughs> working with fucking Nintendo, the big dogs. Uh, and so, the big Rabbids, whatever. <laughs> uh, and so it is kind of sad that this game is probably sort of just like abandoned at this at this phase. Um, because it, it died doing something unique. Uh, so it is cool to, to look at, uh, and just more people seem to have heard about it than I thought. So that makes it even more tragic that it seems like it probably did pretty well and then just ended up shriveling on the vine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I feel like it did. Yeah. Pretty solidly, uh, financially. And I think they even may have had a sequel greenlit at some point, but then they just kind of shut it all down. Yeah tragedy the end the end <laughs> closing the book on this fairy tale uh-huh. and the fairy the fairy tale that is known as mystery may yes. because thank you for listening to no clip this week what are we talking about next time next time uh <laughs> i was thinking about this and it's very funny to me uh next time we wanted to get something in that either was a very short game or something that we both had played uh, because we're gearing up to do our episode on uh, Tears of the Kingdom, which just came out. And obviously that game is huge and is something that we wanted to spend time with. And so we were kind of looking through and being like, what's like a good choice <laughs> to put before that that we wanted to spend a ton of time on? And uh, the thing that we came up with was... Arguably a bigger game than this one is. 
Uh, and that would be Super Mario 64. <laughs> can't put it off any longer. We cannot. And it happened to fall in kind of a perfect little location. Yeah, so, so it can be a Nintendo-themed month. Mm-hmm. The oldest classic and the newest Newest classic classic of the 3D genres, whatever (laughs) fucking thing I said. You fucking get it. You fucking get it. But it's a game that we've both played and are both, like, reasonably familiar with. So, uh, stay tuned, I guess, for a game that probably most podcasts of this type have covered already. And, yeah, and would be like, this is the big one, boys. (laughs) And we're just like, we'll slap it in there. Uh, and you can see us slapping things around on our website on OnlyFans. at onlyfans.com slash noclip. Uh, I should check to make sure that's not somebody's profile before we leave that joke in. Uh, <laughs> you can find us uh, on our website at noclippodcast.com uh, where you can find links to our email address, our Twitter account. Uh, and our YouTube channel, you can listen to any of our old episodes, including the ones uh, on Final Fantasy X, which we mentioned several times. Persona 5. Persona 5. You can listen to us talk about Curse to Golf, a game that also had very cool ideas, uh, but had like a bizarre execution that probably only works for like half the people who play it. Uh, Mario RPG. Oh, <laughs> You could learn about the Strange and Ancient serial on the Super Mario RPG episode. Uh, so until that time, smack the like button with a big hammer. Like, child of like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> there it is. Look into the scout Looking for a child light. I'm making my way back home because I'm the child of light. (laughs) Ugh.